This episode is made possible by listeners like you. Check us out on Venmo under the business accounts at Bigfoot UFO. Previously on All Things Unexplained. The military or spokesman says uh, they can't find it. You know, the one in, I'm, I'm referring to the Yukon, you know. They say, you know, we're not going to claim it was a, a party balloon or a hobby balloon until we find it. Well, they're never going to find it. It is made, uh, the, the material is so thin, we have to be very careful handling it or it'll you get a hole in it. It's uh, one mil thick, that's one thousandth of an inch thick. The little tractor that we built, and the one flying was a little bit larger, but the tractor we built, again, is postage stamp size. Now, when that rocket exploded up there, uh, it probably vaporized that little balloon. I mean, there's no pieces that balloon's gonna be found. And probably, even if the tractor didn't break apart, you're never gonna find a little one inch square thing down on the ground somewhere uh, out in the middle of the water or the snow. And so how do we, why do we think that it's there? Well, I'm 98% sure it was this ham radio balloon. And, you know, maybe 2%, it could have been an alien. You know, I don't know, but I think it was, an, I think it was a ham balloon. And the reason, reason was where we were tracking it. In the last track we got, it was on the west coast of Alaska. And it got dark. And see, our, our pickle balloons don't transmit during the dark because they're solar power only. But, but they continue on. They continue on. And when the sun comes up the next day, you know, it starts plotting again. So we can see, you know, where it is. Uh, and the NOAA prediction uh, for that flight put it across Alaska and right exactly in the Yukon, right here between the two little cities where the military says they shot down unidentified objects. And we never heard from it again. So, you know, now it's not unusual for Bloom to just go down by itself or for some reason stop talking, but it's very, very much of a coincidence that, it was right in the same area when a missile went off and we hadn't heard from it anymore. All Things Unexplained. Hosted by Dr. Mounts. Let's face it, we were always ready to roll without him anyway. <laughs> CJ Derringer. Ain't nobody perfect, right? And Smitty Neves. I've never planned out hardly anything my whole life. I just free ball. Featuring Cajun Man. I'm just old nobody, somebody looking for somebody. All right, hello everyone, all of our unexplained ones out there. I'm CJ Derringer, joined with my co-host tonight, Dr. Tim Mounts. We're talking to Tom Edlin with the Amateur Radio Roundtable podcast, balloon expert, Pico Balloon, and ham radio expert. Well, let's dive in, Tim, to a little bit of analysis about what we think happened and why. i tell you one thing I want to know, Tom. Because we heard a lot of talk about what are, these UFOs that were shot down, whatever they were, they were shot down because they represented a threat to commercial air traffic. Tom, are yeah. you aware 
of any pilots or passengers on commercial flights that have ever even spotted any of your Pico balloons in the air? Uh, no, in fact, I've got a pilot friend just retired 35 years, wide body. He has never seen a balloon in the air. Let me say this about that. In, in, on, uh, on one of the uh, TV networks, oh, I was on Newsmax uh, the other night, and I got they gave me one question, and it's the most controversial question. It's, uh, you know, this thing's five altitudes uh, uh, where uh, civilian aircraft fly. And that, that's actually the only reason the government gave for shooting it down. You know, these things are a hazard to aviation, so we shot it down. That, really, that's the only reason they had, if you remember and think back. But if you really think about this, we're flying under regulations of the Federal Aviation uh, Agency today. You know, the Federal Aviation Agency, they, you know, they do all kinds of tests. You know, they shoot uh, chickens and birds into jet engines, and they freeze them, and they do this. And, and, you know, they do all this testing, and they, they have regulations. And we fly under FAA 101 uh, uh, exempt regulations, meaning that we're complying with the FAA. And I think the FAA feels like that there is no danger uh, to civilian aircraft, there, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of balloons up there, and typically you don't see them. I mean, I, I, I've flown probably for the last thirty years quite often. I've never seen a balloon in the air. That's a great and, point. You know, think, think, think of this. Think, take a cork, take a cork, and throw it out in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, and just think, hey, that's a balloon up in the sky. I mean, is the ship going to hit that cork? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if it did, it probably wouldn't hurt it. You know? Right. That's a great, <laughs> a terrific example. I love that. Tom, do any of the Pico yeah. balloons have lights on them? No. No, we have a very, very small uh, uh, power system up there, solar only. Uh, we don't have any power at night, just solar power only. There is a different balloon that we hams do fly, and that that is the big weather balloon. And but but it has a completely different uh, different aspect here. We gas that up. Uh, we did one here uh, last year, and uh, and uh, we launched it in Tennessee, and it went down in Mississippi. It traveled uh, sixty seven miles. It was up three hours. It went to a hundred hundred eight thousand feet. We had cameras on it, uh, everything on it. But again, we tried to file a uh, a notum, you know, TAM with the FAA, and they really didn't want it. They said we really didn't need it because, again, we're under we're under the uh, the level there that they they uh, require. But that was an interesting launch. We launched it. We knew exactly. There's there's plotting on the internet and programs that tell us that look at the wind speed and direction at different levels of altitude. And we knew exactly where that balloon was going to go. We went down to Mississippi. We beat it down there. We had breakfast, and we were waiting on it to come down. And it came down, and we recovered it. And that was a that was a fun case. <laughs> that's a big day. Oh, that's amazing. What part of Mississippi <laughs> were you were you in? Smitty, our co-host, is missing, and I are both yeah. from Mississippi. Well, it's just northern Mississippi up here. Uh, you know, the uh, Olive Branch, south of Olive Branch. Uh, down that way, but we launched out in Somerville, Tennessee, and and the plot I've got on uh, I, I've got a presentation I did the the projected uh, plot and the actual plot were almost exactly on top of each other. 
So oh, it took it about an hour and a half. It took about an hour and a half to reach 108,000 feet, and it took about an hour and a half to fall after it popped. And uh, that was a lot of fun, but I don't think we want to do another one because we were so lucky. Everything fell together there. <laughs> we were right under it. We were right under it, waiting on it. If we had to made a wrong turn, I think we, I could have been out there and caught it in my hands when it fell. And um, but next time we'll lose the three GoPros. They'll end up in a tree somewhere <laughs> out in the swamp, and we will never find it. You know. Yes. Right now, Tom, that's a good segue. What you mentioned about the technology on the balloons and no lights and such into my next question. So some of the pilots it's been recorded claimed that these objects interfered with their sensors. Do you know or think that your balloons could do that? No, our balloons didn't. I think that's the 2% I was talking about earlier. It probably did it. Uh, yes, back I mean, to ours aliens. Will not, <laughs> ours, you know, our little transmitters on a specific frequency. It's in a ham radio band, and uh, it runs less power than your garage door opener. I mean, you know, I I, I, I just can't get into jamming. Uh, you know, uh, you know, a jet fighter's uh, system. So I, I think that would that probably would take an alien uh, technology to do that. Hmm. Yeah, and if it, happens, if it happens, <laughs> I don't have an. If it happens, I don't have an answer for it, man. Yeah. Uh oh, I I just heard somebody chiming in on. We're getting a little too close here. So some of that, I think, sir, will stay for close <laughs> session. Ronald Moultrie from Arrow. So, Tom, I, I'm interested in what you think about this, and you've kind of alluded to this, but I, again, I just want to get your thoughts on this. Pentagon spokesman Brigadier General Patrick Ryder said that the UFO shot down over Alaska posed a reasonable threat to civilian air traffic as it was flying at 40,000 feet. Yeah. What do you make of that assessment? Well, uh, again, as I just mentioned, the FAA says that we're flying within their rules. The FAA is the experts on what is a hazard and which is not a hazard in which uh, should be allowed and which should not be allowed. So we're following their rules. Uh, in fact, hey, if you read the FAA rules, guess what? Unmanned balloons, let's say it says, yeah, balloons have the right of way over, over other aircraft. So, um, you know, that's what the rules say. So, you know, anyway, no, I, I think... See, they're in Washington. They're, they're talking about something that they really didn't know about. They're not talking to the FAA about it. And and that was, I think, I really think that was the only reason that they could come out with on TV and say why they shut it down. You know, said, we don't know what it was, but it, it was a hazard to civilian aircraft, so we shut it down. Well, if you shoot everything down as a hazard like like that, if that is a hazard, you probably got a thousand balloons in the sky. You're gonna have to shoot down. And that was a great answer, Tom. And we really appreciate you coming on the show. We're talking to Tom Medlin with the Amateur Radio Roundtable podcast, balloon expert, Pico balloon, and ham radio expert. So I've read that these balloons, you know, fly at such an altitude that basically. At least during the day, the visibility is impeccable because they're often above the clouds. 
And they said that the Alaskan UFO was shot down during daylight hours and that it was actually easier to spot. I just want to know, what do you make of the thought, the possibility that our F-22 pilots laid eyes on this Northern Illinois bottle cap balloon brigade balloon and determined we've got to blast this thing down? You know, I don't think the pilot probably made that decision. I think he was told to go up there and shoot it down. You know, whatever it is, shoot it down. I I don't know. I mean, they're still saying they don't know what it was. Right. Right, and you know what? I was speaking to our military expert, Mr. Jay, this afternoon, Mm -hmm. and he gave a very similar answer because I posed that question to him. Mr. Jay, why would our pilots just, you know, take down something that they plainly see as a hobby balloon. And he said, Tim, you know, the way the military works, you just follow your orders, right? If they tell you run full speed ahead into that brick wall, you run full speed ahead into the brick wall and you don't ask questions. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I think the fact that we let the, uh, the spy balloon go all the way across the United States and we... They didn't shoot it down until the public started, uh, you know, revolting about our security. Uh, and then uh, and then they felt like they had to do something. So they opened the radar up a little bit and they said, oh, my goodness, we're being attacked by, you know, thousands of people out there. Man, we don't know what they are. You know, shoot it down. So I, I think they just got a little trigger happy, you know, after, after that. And they wanted to, you know. I, I don't think the guy that was flying the F-22 wanted a balloon painted, you know, on the side of his airplane, you know, right below the cockpit. You know how they, you know how they, you know, put the kills on there. I don't know if he's going to have a balloon on there or not. You know, if, if he, yeah, maybe the big balloon might show up, but if he puts our little bitty balloon on there, you know, it's going to look bad, man. Oh. I tell you what, it was all very H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds like. I mean, for a while there on social media. For a little bit there, it was, yeah. I mean, there yeah, was some yeah. folks taking up in the bunkers. I mean, like, yeah, un- yeah. unwrapping the uh, MRIs. I mean, you name it. It was very, had a very War of the Worlds kind of feel yeah. to it. And, yeah. you know, Tom, you just sort of answered my, my question a bit there. But so for the sake of, of this show and tonight, you know, we're going to assume that this was a balloon and that you are not a double agent that was put out into the media to make us all believe it was a balloon while really it was a UFO and you are trying to convince us otherwise. So, again, we're going to just assume <laughs> for this <laughs> podcast that it was a balloon, given that it was within FAA, you know, regulations, given that it did not pose a threat to our airspace, as was claimed, um, you know, what do you think the reason is that we spent the money that we spent sending this F-22 up there with a missile to shoot down these three, three UFOs? And do you think that the other two were also balloons? Well, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know that we're missing one of those because no, none of the ham community has said it. They're probably afraid to talk about it, but they, they probably were some type of balloon. I don't think they were anything hostile or anything like that. So, you know, just your standard uh, sidewinder is $399,000. And they, they launched four. They launched four of them. 
take three out. You know, one of them went in the uh, one of them went in the water up there in Wisconsin, and they missed. So you know, that's uh, that's one point two million right there. And then you, your airplanes, they fly in pairs. They're, they they run anywhere from fifty to eighty thousand dollars per hour to fly. And then you've got the tanker that has to go around a period, probably runs the same thing. So it was quite expensive to uh, to shoot down probably a $50 total package up there that was sent up by 12-year-old, uh, oh uh, you know, kids up there that were trying to do some skin projects. Wow. And again, you just think, all right, they've got the public's attention. Everybody's watching. We were on pins and needles with this Chinese spy balloon. We've opened our radar up more. Yeah. We're seeing things. Yep. Shoot them down. Take them down. Yeah. 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 And the government's never going to admit they shot this down because uh, uh, they, they've, they've said multiple times, you know, we don't know what it was. And until we can find it, uh, we're not going to confirm that. And uh, they've also called off their search. So uh, they're, they're not going to find it. Yeah. I feel very enlightened. Yeah. I could send them <laughs> one if they want to see it, but. <laughs> yeah. I want to send up one on our podcast. Can we make like an, a show where we watch you put a balloon together and send it up and track it. Wouldn't that be fun for our viewers to be able to? Um... Yeah, it's not much. I, yeah, I was prepared if our video worked, I was going to show you one here I already put yeah. together in my hand. And uh, I was going to show you a balloon back here. But uh, we'll do, we can do it another time. Yeah. Well, we do have a listener question for you, Tom, from, J from Jason Stifler. Do you launch, how often do you launch balloons and where do you release them from? Not very often. I mean, we, we used to try to keep one in the air, you know, but uh, as we got better and better, I mean, we we really haven't launched a major one in, in about 252 days now because we're still flying. And uh, we use our call letters. We use our call letters as the ID on the uh, on the tracker, which reports to uh, which reports to the Google map. And since our call letters already being used, uh, it's a little difficult to send up a, another tracker, you know, because we can't, you know, we don't have other call letters. We, my call is W5KUB, uh, unless we can put someone else's call letters on it, you know, and then we can plot it on a map. It's a, a separate balloon. We did launch, uh, we, uh, two months ago, we did launch them in the, uh, uh, Antarctica, uh, uh, W5KUB, uh, did, uh, have two, two balloons launched in, in Antarctica, uh, for the scientific study, and uh, one of them still flying. One of them, after about sixty days, uh, it it crashed in the ocean. Shot down by a sidewinder. Don't know. <laughs> Don't know. Maybe it was shot down by a UFO. Yeah. I, it was, uh, I, I I would imagine it is just you know it it just went down. I mean, yeah. these things are very fragile. They're very very fragile. Uh, and if you hold it wrong with your hands, if you put your thumb on one of the solar cells, it'll actually snap. They're, they're really thin oh, wow. glass. They're really thin glass. The antenna on here is a, a, just a little piece of wire that hangs down. And that, that, that wire is the size of a hair of your, on, on your head. It is so small. And we do that to hold the weight down. So um, yeah, it's very, very fragile. So kids of a certain age would not do well with these balloons. Twelve seems like the right age to start. Yeah, yeah. Well, they had adult. They had adult supervision, you know, to do this. Yeah. So do my kids, and I assure you, they break everything in sight. Um, yeah. 
saying adult supervision here might be a stretch, but I try. Tom, we can't thank you enough for coming on the show with us tonight. Yes. Well, you're uh, you're very welcome, and uh, maybe this uh, all this commotion is going to die off a little bit here. Um, yeah, it seems like it is. Uh, we'll just have to it always does. see what Congress. We'll just have to see what Congress does here. But we really appreciate you having us on the show tonight and getting our story out and getting what we know out. And uh, you know, guys, uh, I'm no expert here. I just it's just part of the hobby. I'm 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 I'm, I'm pretty astute in this, but I don't consider myself an expert with it. Well, I think you have a lot more knowledge than the average public does. So we appreciate you sharing that with us. And for those of you that are just now tuning in, please do go check out Tom's podcast. He hosts the Amateur Radio Roundtable, and they do a live video version on Tuesday nights. You can find that at w5kub.com at 8 p.m. Central Time. Tim and I had the pleasure of joining for a little bit last night, and you've got quite the group of characters on your show, and they seem to all have really great knowledge about um, ham radio and about ballooning, and they were fun to to chat with for a little bit there. So thank you for having us and thank you for joining our show this evening. We would love to hear our listeners' theories on what's going on. Again, it probably will all start to die down and get swept under the rug, but that doesn't mean that there isn't something that we need to be digging into further. So if you have a theory that we didn't discuss tonight, please do send it our way on social media or to our email and maybe we'll have another show to chat about it. Um, Tom, any links that I have not mentioned that you would like to provide our listeners where they can find you? Well, we have a Facebook group that has about 14,000 members. It's it's for ham radio and shortwave listeners and electronic enthusiasts. If, you know, if you're, if you, if you fall into one of those categories, if you're interested in electronics or something, uh, we'll let you join. And that's just the Facebook. It's just W5KUB. It's the Facebook uh, group. Uh, again, our website is W5KUB.com. Let me just mention, if you got anybody out there, you know, uh, your preppers and people that have these shortwave radios down in your bunker, uh, we are on shortwave on Thursdays. Our entire two-hour show is also <clears throat> broadcast out of Monticello, Maine, on WBCQ 74 7490 kilohertz uh, from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. every Thursday afternoon. You can hear Amateur Radio Roundtable. And we're carried just about on every podcast out there. Just search for Amateur Radio Roundtable and you'll find our audio uh, only podcast of the show. Real quick, Jason, we do have one more listener question. Did you see that pop up there, Tim? Yep, let's get to that. Jason Stifler wants to know. Doesn't the government have access to the ham radios, and would they be able to identify the gadget that you had, but it was a balloon linked to a ham operator? That's a great question. Well, yeah. Uh, of course, we're licensed uh, to operate the radio systems uh, that we fly. Uh, the map that plots our balloons is a public map. There's three or four different public maps that the government, anybody can see if they would just go there and they would see where all, all of our balloons are, the altitude, the speed, the course, uh, where they're going, you know, they, they would see the call letters, they would know, you know, they would know who, who it belongs to and so forth. So, you know, that's out there. It's just that they don't know it. Uh, and just, just one last comment. I saw some pictures the other day where the Naval Academy 
has actually been sending up and playing with Pico Balloons for almost 10 years now. So that's the Naval Academy, you know. So, you know, we all just need to talk to each other and not uh, overreact. Well, that is certainly something that we can all listen to, right? (laughs) Advice for everyone. Listen to one another and do not overreact. I want to remind everybody, hey, a lot of us believe that UFO disclosure is coming. It's on the way. This is just one step in disclosure. This is just one piece of the puzzle. And we can all take part in the solution to the UFO phenomenon. The skies, as we've been told, they're not classified, folks. Get off your screens. Look up. You can collect data. We can all collect data. We can analyze it. And then we can get to the truth. And the whole truth is not going to be Pico Balloons, even though this could have been what happened over Alaska. But that doesn't explain Roswell. It doesn't explain Mr. Billy, our first guest, who had an encounter in the 70s. It doesn't explain UFOs in the Bible. It doesn't explain the recent military encounters over the last decade that have come to light. Well, Tim, thanks for making this all happen for us tonight and making the connection with Tom. And Tom, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, For those of you that are joining us live tonight, we appreciate you and we appreciate our listeners wherever you may be listening. Some of you are in what South Africa. Is that where we were just ranked super high? South Africa, New Zealand, Ireland, Puerto Rico. We're popular. Look at us. <laughs> so be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Share us with your friends. Send your favorite ones to your friends. And uh, follow us on social media. Again, thanks for tuning in. We hope that you will... Uh, you'll have to do it, Tim. I can't remember. <laughs> Where's Smitty? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. This was a lot of fun, CJ. Tom, thanks for joining us tonight. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. Yes, sir. Thanks to all our listeners tonight. Remember, if you'd like to support the show, you can find us on Venmo at Bigfoot UFO. Stay unexplained, everybody. Good night, CJ. Good night, Mr. Tom. Thanks again. Good night. To be continued. You've been listening to All Things Unexplained. If you liked this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. If you would like to hear more All Things Unexplained, be sure to follow us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our show depends on the support of listeners like you. Find us on Venmo under the business accounts at Bigfoot UFO. If you can't get enough of us, please check us out at allthings-unexplained.com. A special thanks to our producer, director, sound mixer, editor, and the man who wears far too many hats. No, seriously, he wears a lot of hats, Dr. Tim Mounts. Without you, we couldn't keep the lights on. Thanks for listening to All Things Unexplained.